and welcome to another episode of Align with Lina. I am super excited today to have a guest that I know you guys are going to love. She is definitely an inspiration for me watching this woman live her life with such grace and such alignment with what she speaks. Um, talk about walk the talk. And her name is Yuji Kirkpatrick. And before I bring her on, I want to remind you of why I do these conversations. And I call them Align with Lina because I want to bring to you examples of ordinary people who just like you, just like me, just like Yuji, have undergone an extraordinary spiritual awakening. What that means is that we have discovered that we can align with something greater than we are that exists inside of us, call it God, call it spirit, universe, Baba, Buddha, Barbara, doesn't matter what you call it, it knows what it is but we call it what feels comfortable to us. And for me, God is a comfortable name now because I aligned with it. So join me in welcoming my guest, Yuji, so that we can talk about her journey and that can serve as inspiration for you. So, hey, Yuji, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, it's Lina, correct? Lina, like, like Carolina. Like a line, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of figure that out just uh, a moment ago, but no worries. Be with you today, and thank you so much for inviting me to share a conversation with you. Absolutely, you know, you and I met because we both go to the same spiritual center. We go to Unity North in Marietta, Georgia, which is just a wonderful spiritual family. So I've I've had the opportunity to hear you there. You've heard me there. So that's that's how our connection is 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 in that spiritual um, realm. But let me ask you a question. It's the same question I ask everybody to start the program is when, how old were you or where were you or what was going on in your life when you began to realize that there was more to life than what you had been taught was what was real? You know, I ponder that as I've listened to your show and I've pondered that with my own experience. And there are so many answers, but let me try to... <laughs> Let me try to excavate uh, here. At three years or four years old, I remember watching my mother one day and saying to myself, who is she really besides what I see? Oh. About four years old. Wow. As a child, I was very introspective, um, grew up in a family that was of a fundamental Pentecostal uh, religious background and teaching. And so therefore... I grew up with the Bible, the scriptures, and I'm so happy about that foundation. However, uh, when I was 13 years old, I remember that the church had its four-year quadrennial, and I had a question that nobody wanted to answer. You know, fundamentals had certain do's and don'ts and rules. Oh, yeah. And you can't. One of those was about what you could wear. And one of the things that struck me was that my two older sisters who were in high school, one year before the conference, they could not get their class rings. Mm. After that meeting, they could get their class rings. And my question was this, if God doesn't change, how can people change things? And that really started, started my journey for me. And so the questioning, that's what opened me up to new spiritual experiences and new ways of knowing about God through people and through culture. 
Oh, that's so beautiful. That's so powerful because I, I find that curiosity is a prerequisite. You have to be willing to know more, um, be okay with not knowing at all because that, that definitely is, is um, a barrier that I see not only for me, but I, I observe this in my clients. If you think you know it, there's no room there for, um, for anything else to come in. It's like you probably know this story, the man who goes to see the guru and the, he wants to ask the guru the questions, those really important questions that are only answerable by somebody who knows as much as the guru knows. So he goes, the guru invites him over to have tea and the man asks, um, says he wants to ask questions and the guru's pouring him a cup of tea. But after the man asks his question, he continues to speak and the guru keeps pouring tea until the tea spills all over. You know where I'm headed with this story. This, the tea spills all over and this man says, what are you doing? Why, why are you letting the, the uh, tea overflow? He says, because you're asking me a question and, and you're letting the answers overflow. You're not open to receiving what I'm here to offer. And then it was so that that was a profound example for me. Am I going to keep talking about everything that I know? Or am I going to be open to listening and receiving? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing about it is that at that age in life, I didn't know what I didn't know, which most people don't. I don't know what I don't know still. <laughs> same here. Same here. And so the questioning has continued throughout my life, even as I am. Uh, Grew up, graduated college, got married, moved to Colorado, which is, I'm sure, a dear place in your heart. Yes. Uh, moved there uh, with my husband at that time. And um, he was stationed up at the Air Force Academy, which is where we lived. Uh, and we would go to another church that was the same basic Pentecostal, but a different denomination. And boy, oh boy. The freedoms that they enjoyed were not ones um, that was a part of what I grew up with. So the questioning continued. And as the questioning continued, I became more expansive in my experience from within mm -hmm. as to who God was at that particular time. And as I continued to grow and to know, I continued to seek to know at this stage in my life, more about God and about myself and about people as well. So I continue to question. Yeah. 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 But this is the thing that keeps me grounded, um, the foundation. And that's so very important. I know when I've listened to people like Louise Hay and some, of, some others who said they did not grow up with a religious uh, experience or background, but yeah. certainly they grew up spiritually. What keeps me kind of focused and grounded is that I go back to the basics of scripture that when I said works for me, um, all scriptures for learning and reading and pleasure and enjoyment and, and trying to understand the fact that it was given and written to a certain people at a certain time, but there is universal uh, information that all of us can draw from. And that's what I typically do. Well, I love hearing that when I started my spiritual journey, when I what propelled me to begin to ask, there's got to be more was after my mom died, and I grew up Catholic. 
And I grew up with uh, this fear of death because I had been told that I was a sinner and, you know, most likely I was going to go to hell. No matter what I did, I could never measure up because I could never be as good and as pure as, as Jesus, who I needed to become like. And no matter what I did, I would fell short. So I was, I knew, damn, I'm not going to get into, into heaven. I'm, I'm doomed. I know where I'm headed. Well, when my mom died, I knew her very well. I knew all her dirty little secrets. So I knew she was not going to make it to heaven. So this terror came over me. So here I am feeling so bad for my mom. She's going to go to hell. Um, this is going to be a terrible thing for her. If she's going to hell, I'm going to hell. And so I began to enter into this deep depression and I began to enter into conversations with God and asking, you know, is there something else? Please tell me that this is not all that that it could be. How could a, could a God create us and then send us into this world to suffer? And, and then after we suffer, we're going to get punished. I wouldn't do that to my children. I wouldn't give birth to my children to tell them that I'm not going to talk to them during their times of need. And by the way, you know, you're going to have to go through a middle person to, to speak to me and you're going to have to bow to me. When I became a parent, I wouldn't do that to my child. So when my mom died, all of these questions began to surface and I entered into this incredible journey. I mean, I got pulled into what lasted for almost exactly five years of my mind questioning and reading. And, and one of the things that I came to, to study was the formation of the Catholic Church. And I found a woman's, um, a theologian, and her, her, Elaine Pagels, her books about how the Catholic Church was formed and the politics of it, the control of it, the money aspect of it, began to open my mind and I began to realize, wow, a lot of things got put into that, that the, the running of the church, the, the, the business side of it, the how it's going to be, the structure, the, what, what got created as the rights and the wrongs were made up, were made up like by the people at the time. And there were, there were reasons, there was control involved. And that gave me so much freedom to realize that I had had this, this innate desire to connect to God, but I had been taught to fear God. And in my fearing God, I wouldn't get close to God. So it took my mom dying before I began to ask God to talk to me and to, to answer these questions that no human ever wanted to answer for me. So discovering yeah. how religion, um, at least the Catholic Church was created was the start of my liberation from my fear of God. And you're a minister. Tell me about how, how does all that play out with you, you being so curious? Well, you know, at one point I um, also questioned and I felt that based on what we had been taught, how could anybody get to heaven? <laughs> I really didn't felt that. And I, I grew up following the rules, if you know what I mean. I yeah. played out a path. I followed that path. And when my belief system was challenged, um, first of all, when marriage no longer worked for me. And I did everything that I feel that I knew how to make it work and it still didn't. And I questioned, well, how can I be out here preaching and teaching and my own marriage just did not work. So that was a big, big challenge. And there was no point of reference. 
uh, in the church or in our you know, community of friends and people. And I felt ostracized, criticized. And here I was bringing up my three children as a single mom. And of course the scriptures kicked in. And then I began to, to, to realize in the year that my mother passed away, she is my angel. She was then, but she passed away in my arms. And when she did, um, this is what came to mind. The book in her life had closed, but a chapter in mine had. And as I sat in church, you know, God talks to me, uh, maybe not audibly, but I know when I'm guided and I'm just using that expression. I get it, totally. Uh, that your whole life is being rearranged. That was the message that was given to me. And also a scripture came to mind in the book of, I think it's First Corinthians around the fifth chapter, when she passed away or just before she passed away in church that night, and I'm going to misquote, but it talked about if this earthly house or this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. And that scripture just kept coming to me. And it was shortly after that at home that night at her house where I stopped by, she passed away and that stayed with me. But the bottom line was that when she passed away, you know, your mother is the foundation of your life and so many conversations we had and she, she, she got me, she understood me. And um, ostracism from family, and I just oh, yeah. felt so alone. And that is when I really began to seek more and more for myself. Now, I will tell you, somebody told me, I shouldn't tell anybody this, but this is my 55th year in ministry. And mm -hmm. that has taken so many forms and various organizations, denominations, et cetera, et cetera. But what my take from that has all been growth, growth. And I, I really like to know the ways in which other people know God. It feeds my curiosity. It expands what I, it expands my love for everybody. And my, uh, the way I look at love is that love comes on our spiritual DNA. It has nothing to do with our humanity. What we call love many times I call conditional caring. If you do for me and I do back for you, we call that's not love. That's conditional caring. But love goes beyond the human experience. It is what comes on our spiritual DNA. Now, we know that in the natural, biologically, we know what DNA is. Let me see if I can remember from college, dioxy ribonucleic acid, okay, in the body. But in the spirit, it is our divine natural ability. It comes with us. And so it is what God, whatever we call God, whomever God is, it's what is in all of us that has the consciousness of our source. Mm -hmm. And like Dr. Maya Angelou said, I, I guess love is in the trees, it's in the clouds, it's what makes things move and grow. It has to do with God, which is beyond all of us. And in the total experience lineup, I knew that there was something bigger than what I was taught, something bigger than me, yeah. something bigger than my parents. Um, and so throughout these years in my movement and in my growth, and especially in a time of growing in adversity, because raising three children as a single parent, uh, becoming from the 
uh, you name it, the driver, the counselor, the, the mom and the dad, in my experience. The cook and the dishwasher and the laundry person. <laughs> Everything. It was the greatest thing I will ever, ever do in life. And three wonderful children grew. We grew together and we grew to know God together. Yeah. Um, and that has also helped me because I learned from them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's exciting to me. It truly is now. There are ups and downs sometimes that they're... That's uh, okay. It's all good. Life is yeah, happening. Life is happening. That We have a uh, somebody taking care of animal uh, 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 raccoon. Oh, so okay. anyway, you know, he has to do what he has to do. But anyway, that, you're right, life is happening. It's happening right now. I'd like to interject my conversation with you earlier. And I really appreciate it so much. You know, I'm real and authentic. I don't put on anything other than who I am, and that's the wisdom of my life. I called you because I had some apprehension about this conversation, as I shared with you, and I'm sharing on your call for people to join us in prayer silently. My daughter is in the hospital. She's an asthmatic and has been, and I always take my children to prayer. And also taking care of yourself as much as you can. And so I called you uh, because she's been moved to ICU since I talked with you okay. and being tested for the virus as well as for the flu and the virus. In my faith experience, I trust God in every area of everything in my life. I've learned to do that, not to be a speaker as much as living the prayer, living the life. But I needed some help this morning. And you prayed with me. And as you know, anything above all things that can really take you out of your mother, it's when your child is going through something. It absolutely can. And I needed what you, as a joint heir, in our Christ consciousness, living the life. Your prayer lifted me. In that prayer, you spoke to faith, you spoke to fear, you spoke to humanity. That is what I hope when I show up, wherever I show up, I hope that's what is imparted from me. Sometimes people don't remember the words that you say, but they get an impartation from your being. And to live an authentic life, like when the doorbell rang, because the man from wildlife is out there with my husband taking care of that, my daughter, and I see you. All kinds of things are going on. And I have really learned to, to trust. Mm -hmm. And who knows what's going to happen next. Yeah, exactly. But I'll... I'll couple things that you said I want to touch on. Number one, I, it was an honor uh, that you called me earlier today so that we could have that that conversation and we could have that that prayer time because it was absolutely beautiful. It was a gift to me. And, and I want to come back to that in a second, why it was a gift to me. Um, but Cheryl, I wanted to acknowledge, she says she's appreciating our conversation because her mom passed away a year ago and she misses her a lot, but she has also gotten huge changes in her life from it. And one of the biggest changes that happened to me through my mom's passing was that I realized that I didn't have a spiritual connection. Not really. I went to church and I did those things and I indoctrinated my children with some religion. 
but I didn't have a personal relationship with God, with Jesus, with Christ, with, with the Buddha consciousness and Buddha nature. I didn't have a relationship with what is greater than I am, which is why I didn't have unshakable faith. I operated from the seat of my pants and a lot of fear. Fear motivated me into, into doing things. But when you called me, um, it, it brought me present to the why this entire journey, these 18 years of coming to develop a relationship that is my own personal relationship. I took the God that religion told me was out there in a cloud somewhere. Mm -hmm. And little by little, that God came closer and closer and closer within. Yes. And as you said, it's in my DNA. It, I, the life force that is in me is what God is, is what you are, is what everybody is. It's Cheryl, it's her mother, it's the, the trees, the birds, the bees. So when you called me and we had that moment, it was actually a defining moment for me. So I'm so glad that you brought it up because it had me be very clear that my work in this life is is to help to be an example, because if I can do it, I know anybody can to be an example that when we give up our fears, when we really let those go, we find a, a an eternal fountain of yeah. faith within us. Yes. Because it allows us to connect with that which is eternal, that which is non-physical, that which is life itself. Because when my mother passed away, the life did not leave. Her essence remained. Right. The body stopped functioning. That vessel, you know, met its expiration date. So the vessel stopped working, but her soul didn't stop living. So you gave me the opportunity to remember in that moment, if we focus on what is alive and eternal always and forever, we can get through anything that is happening in the temporal experience of life, whether it's your daughter or my children or you know coronavirus right now, so many people are facing that. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to remember that if I operate from faith, I'm trusting that God, the creator of everything, has everything under control. When I operate from fear, I'm thinking Lina has to control it. And that ain't never going to happen. It can't. It absolutely cannot. And um, I'm glad I did call you uh, because one thing about our fear can lead you to your faith. It absolutely. It absolutely can. So it does yep. serve a purpose. Um, if we use it as an indicator of yeah. a lack of faith. Yes, and I realize people are different steps and different um, phases in their lives. And was it Zig Ziglar who says adversity introduces a man to himself? Well, adversity introduces us to ourselves. And it was through what was an adverse situation because it's not how it was brought up. Mother and father, children, that was the model that I knew, that I saw, and that I was given. And then when there was a different model and there was just me, the mother, uh, that opened me up to a whole lot of what I did not know. And my mother, she was my foundation. She truly, truly was. And when she was no longer in her physical body, but I would have experiences with my mother beyond the physical, which I thought was typical with everybody. And most recently, almost six years ago, when my son completed his earthly journey and being there in the room with him, experiencing that transition, mm -hmm. 
and choosing joy. My other two children said, how can you not cry? And I said, well, I'm taking care of him right now. Um, I knew within myself I chose joy. I said, I'll get to me. And boy, did I get to me. I most certainly did. But uh, there's something somebody put on Facebook, I think it was Tracy today, about death and dying and the need for conversations. In the West, we need a new imperative with reference to what completing this earthly journey really and truly means. Yeah. When you talked about the Catholic Church, I talked about the Pentecostal Church and any church, any church that anybody grew up in. What we did was to accept what somebody else's experience was, they captured it on paper and they began to pass it on and we followed in what we were taught. Yeah. In order to move forward in faith and in the uh, uh, experience of life, it's important to unlearn mm -hmm. a lot of what we've learned, which brings me to something I don't want to forget. When you mentioned the coronavirus, and I was listening to the service yesterday, which was very beautiful, yeah. with Reverend Ava and Reverend Richard, but this is what has come to me about this coronavirus. Um, two things. Number one, the doctors and uh, professionals are saying you don't need a mask. Uh, that really does not attend to what you need to attend to physically. But you need to wash your hands more. Uh, First of all, a mask covers things up. And what is being unmasked and exposed, not only through this virus, but through the tra trajectory of time, especially the last few years, everything is being exposed for what yeah. it is. The mask is being removed. As a friend of mine's grandmother used to say, what's done in the basement is being told on the rooftop. <laughs> 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 well, the mask is not what we need, not in this world, not in any area of life. The second thing is washing our hands. It's time for us to wash up real good, to wash away the old, and to, to know that as a regular practice in our spiritual lives, it's necessary to uncover, to unearth, to be real. Like you said to me, don't worry about it, your doorbell rang, my doorbell rang, it needed to be do what you need to do. Be real yeah. and authentic with yourself because that's what we're going to get to the world. When you talked about the prayer this morning, I was led, and that's what I mean when I say God talks to me, to call you and to say to you what I said. No, and deep down inside, I did not want to cancel this time because I felt that it was important to talk with you today and to share. Yes. And we yes. forge a connection beyond the one that we had. I think that's what conversations, yeah. that's why I like the work that I do. Uh, con conversations, when people are open enough to share what's in their heart in a place where they feel safe, they're not judged, they're accepted for who and what they are. I mean, that's really real. That's what makes life real for me wherever I go. Absolutely. Absolutely. You said so many amazing things. Um, that comment about unmasking, we, we can stay on that and we can talk mm -hmm. for hours about that. Mm -hmm. Because th my awakening, my journey, when it helped me align with God, it's as if being able, I, I was able to see through the eyes of God. And boy, did I have like x-ray vision. 
I began to see more clearly what had happened to all of us. And as I had to work my way through um, undoing all of my shame, my guilt, my pain, what I realized is that, as you were saying, all of us have been taught things that somebody else decided was the truth. And we have unquestioned. Well, most of us that questioned were, were ostracized and we were told that you shouldn't question. Who are you? You know, you're doubting Thomas. Um, and what I discovered was that my connection with God was with me from the beginning. It had to be. It's in my DNA. So how did I lose that faith? How did I lose that connection? Is because I became focused on what others outside of me that I was taught were the authority knew more than I did. So this coronavirus to me, and I just did a video and I posted it, um, I did it two days ago about it's an opportunity for a shift in consciousness because what this coronavirus is helping us see is that if we don't remember the truth of who we are, we are going to go into fear. Fear makes us drop in consciousness. It makes us dense. It makes us lose our peace. So we go into dis-ease. And to me, coronavirus is a reflection of how disconnected from God humanity has become. We have a mental virus called our human ego that thinks um, I am separate from God and I am God and I, I am the almighty. When we begin to believe that we're separate from God, we begin to feel fear. And that turns us into victims. It turns us into bullies. It makes us greedy, selfish. It causes us to, to condense because we separate. So the coronavirus is a projection of our separation. The only thing that is going to heal anybody is a return to our faith, a calling forth the God essence, the truth, the, the almighty well-being that is what God is. God doesn't get sick. So how, how do humans get sick? If we were made in the image of God, we are not operating in the image of God, we're operating in our human made image. And that's where our fears come in. So I love that you said the unmasking. Because boy, oh boy, do we have a lot of unlearning to do. Because when we're relying on externals, the the medical world outside the pills outside. Um, I'm a student and a teacher of A Course in Miracles and A Course in Miracles says I am not a body, I am free for I am still as God created me. And there is an entire, well, there are many sections, but one specifically I just read recently that when we operate from God's laws, we don't need to take the things that are of human laws to help us feel better. This is why Jesus was able to heal the sick because he saw them as God created them, not as how they thought themselves into being, which when you're separate from God, of course, you're in unease. You cannot be happy. You're not connected to your source of joy. In disease, you're going to get sick and you're going to die. Now, let me just say really quickly, anybody who is out there and you're relying on medical care, you're relying on something external, by all means, do what you feel is right for you. Um, if I feel that I'm going to go to uh, get any kind of medication or, or need any kind of procedure, if I check in and I am guided to do that, it's because God is also in that other person. God is in that medicine. God is in that, that procedure. But I will go into it with the awareness that my mind in that moment is not acknowledging 
my, my ability to heal, I am needing healing to come to me through other means. And I'm okay with that. Um, and I grew up believing and practicing and seeing many miracles through what people call divine healing. Yes. Which is what Jesus did. And through the laying on of hands many times throughout the ministry. I mean, I've preached all over the place. And I would tell people, unless you make a decision that you are going to be healed, don't waste my time. Don't come to the altar. I did. I said Wow. That. I most certainly did, because I look at divine healing as a gift from God. We all have that ability, yes. the Christ within us. However, this is also important for people to understand. We uh, inhabit a physical body, which needs to be attended to through physical means when something shows up that is abnormal. We also need to understand that this physical body has a shelf life. <laughs> No matter what we do or say, there is a time when this physical body must return to the earth. It, this is a universe of accountability. These bodies are from the earth. The earth is going to be paid back by the physical bodies going back into the ground, becoming minerals or whatever that whole process is. Life even continues even in that way. So to have that understanding, I remember when my mother was diagnosed with something and people prayed for her and this one lady did not want her to have the surgery. Well, my mother had the surgery. I'm thankful for intelligent parents and um, passing that on because, you know, it could have happened through divine healing. But also, you have to know yourself, and you have to know your expansiveness in your belief system, mm -hmm. in what you know to be the truth. I know people have gotten off of their beds and all kinds of things mm -hmm. we see and know. But I also know that we have a mind which is the gateway to the spirit. And I've often told people this, if you don't believe it, when people go into dementia, uh, Alzheimer's, and their bodies are still present, they don't know that they're in this world. So what are you talking about with reference to spirit? It's still working, but that person's mind is no longer attached to this physical world as we know it. So we've got to use good common sense in many things. I am still a proponent of divine healing. I'm always going to pray, trust God, trust what I know that that person is whole and healthy and complete. But I realize everybody's not there. And yeah. Yes, but and you were saying earlier, we touched on this early in the conversation, everybody is at a level of awareness that they're at. This journey is like grades in school. When I was two years into my journey, there were a lot of things that were in my head, but I didn't really have full faith in that. Mm -hmm. At five years, things shifted. At 10 years, things shifted. At, at 18 years, things are still shifting. But the most important thing for me was coming to the awareness that if you're going to have faith in something, it's your 100% faith that allows you to receive benefit from whatever that is. If your faith is split with doubt and fear, even if you have faith in the medical world, if your faith does not, is not 100% in that pill, if your faith is not 100% in that doctor, you are introducing into your beingness doubt. And guess what? Doubt. Absolutely. The universe, God only says yes to us holy beings. And this world is showing us 
that when we're operating disconnected from our connection to God, we are introducing doubt. We're introducing, you know, fears. We're introducing jealousy. This whole world has descended into the chaos that it's in because there are way too many people who are believing in themselves, are believing that they are separate and that they can handle things and are not putting their faith in God. And it's an opportunity for us to get this faith straight, even when that faith guides us to go to another person for healing. I go to energy healers. I take pills if I have to take a pill. I have allergies that that show up in in the springtime and I'll go take my allergy pill. Does that mean that I don't, you know, have 100% faith in God? I have 100% faith in God through that pill and that's a loving thing for me to do because in my mind I have not cleared the 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 potential for allergies. You know, maybe it's something I'm going to have to spend a little time with and um it does have that removed but while it's there it's a loving thing to do to have faith in what i believe in you know we're we're in this world but not of the world these physical bodies are in this world how do i know because i can see yours <laughs> uh, i can touch and feel and so we, we have to separate reality sometimes and operate in jurisprudence. <laughs> uh, my father used to say there's a church for everybody. And he was absolutely right. Um, as you were talking, there was one of my classic or favorite messages that I used to preach. It was called dust and divinity. That's basically what we are now. The dust isn't worth too much. Okay. <laughs> but the divinity who we truly, truly are before we even, before we even came here, before we descended into the earth realm, the divinity, and it's really, really, it's not incomprehensible, but when you meditate, when you get still and get quiet, and you know that there's something operating outside of what we know. Yeah. As Deepak Chopra says, there's the know, there's that which we can know, that which is known, and that which is unknowable. And because we live in a time and space trajectory of life, um, a finite life, this you knock on wood or whatever. So it's finite, it's defined. But there are things that we absolutely, in this iteration, we cannot define. We would like to be able to do so. We're always seeking knowledge and ever coming into the knowledge of the truth about things. And to me, that is so very, very fascinating. As yeah. you know, I have studied intensively major universities, you name it, and I might have read it or I know the title. But I find that the greatest thing that can happen with me these days is to be still and to be quiet. And I'm a very reclusive person. Most people don't believe that. But when I'm finished with what I do outside, I'm at home with myself and, you know, doing the things that I like to do, like painting and writing and that kind of thing. But so much aware of there's so much more. Oh, yeah. So much more. And it's a journey that all of us are on. It's not always pleasant. I'm not trying to paint a, a picture that it's, it's not always pleasant, but um, it is what it is. And I, I, I looked at something, Schopenhauer, I got this pen on purpose because I knew we'd come to this. He said to overcome difficulties is to experience the full delight of existence. 
Mm-hmm. And that's how we grow and live and have our being. Yes, because as we, that's a beautiful quote, as we, I, I know for me, it has been this way. Every single time I move through what felt like a, an adversity, um, I re, I, it's like I let go of uh, uh, self-doubt. I let go of, of thinking small and it stretches me into a new possibility, into a new potential. It allows me to experience that I connected to something that pulled me forward. Yes. And that, that to me is that alignment with source. And, you know, th- this would be, you would be a great person um, for me to really have this conversation, th- this bit that I want to kind of shift us to, because there are so many people who have been waking up on the planet. A lot of people have entered the spiritual journey. Um, it's happening everywhere. We, we, that God is calling us back. It is time. We have... It's like the rubber band. We went as far as we could possibly go. And now we're snapping back. We're coming back to love. There is no, nothing that can happen, but for us to return back to the knowingness of what we actually are and make that manifest while we are in physical form. So let's talk about some of the maybe advice that we can give people by sharing our own personal experiences. But when we move down this path, I know for me, and again, I I observe it with other people and and those who are my clients, I can mention this to them. They want to know this, but our mind, our ego begins to get spiritualized and we begin to think that we already know things. And one of the things that not only do we have to be honest about that, but one of the things that I have found as you begin to believe that you've arrived to whatever that enlightenment is, whatever you might think it is, we begin to feel like we can't connect with other people. We can't ask. We feel ashamed that, well, I don't want to let them know. Um, you know, I've been preaching. I can't let them know that, that I am having an issue. I've been coaching. I've been teaching. I can't let them know that I'm suffering, which ties back to you calling me today, which was such a beautiful thing, because I believe that we are meant to help each other move out of this idea that we've arrived somewhere and move into the place that we're constantly expanding and moving forward. And you with 55 years of experience in ministry, um, I would love to hear from you. How do you keep yourself humble, expanding, knowing that there's always more for God to reveal to us? Well, you know, one of the things, and this is not a judgment, but that is the, the malady of the church and the church hierarchy. Um, that there are people who, and one of the things I learned, including the spiritual, the new thought, spiritual, oh, absolutely, anything. Yeah. I spoke at a new thought church not long ago, and I spoke about the light of God. My subject was, uh, we'll leave the light on for you <laughs> about God in us. And you know, with what is it, some Motel 6, I think, Motel we, 6, yeah. how the light came, uh, when according to the creation story, um, God said, let there be light. And the light came and it wasn't the sun because the sun was late. The sun came three days later. And somebody said to me later on, uh, oh, I want to give you a hug. And I had already announced I wasn't hugging. And this person said, well, if you taught that we are the light and the light is in us, um, we can hug and not be afraid. And I listened and I said to that person, um, I don't remember the specific words, but for a moment I engaged with him and said, yes, but we are in physical bodies. And I had just gotten over a bad case of the flu. And uh, he continued on. So I said, well, you know what? I don't have to be right. 
And I left the conversation right there, hopefully, for him to think about what he said. Well, the next week, you know, is when we got all the announcements about school closings, et cetera, et cetera. But to get to your uh, original point in question, um, I can hear my mother, and she quoted the scripture when my brother became a pastor. She said that scripture, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God in due time, he will exalt you. And that is a scripture somewhere in the New Testament. And I've heard people talk about asking God to humble them. And I think about Job, that, you know, the scripture about Job. Yeah. And I learned early on not to believe anybody's press about me, because I will tell you not only now, but years ago, what you said, people would say, well, she's preaching and teaching and uh, they looked at me as if I didn't have anything to be concerned about. Even when I was raising my children, I was having some struggles and what have you. The faith is what exuded from my person. And so, but I would be willing to go to certain ones to say, let's pray together, ask somebody to pray for me. Now, when my mother was no longer present, you just can't replace your mother, no matter what her experiences are in terms of her love, in terms of being there for you. But throughout my journey, Lena, I have sought to humble myself on a daily basis. Um, to know, I know what it is to need more substance, to, to pay bills, to do other things. And of course, since I got married the second time, which was against the rules of the church, but anyway, uh, people say to me, well, you've got it all. No, I have some things. I thank God for what I do have. But w one of the things that will also keep people humble is learning the purpose of something. If you come into great wealth, what is that for? What is the purpose of it? And when people don't know the purpose of something, they tend to abuse it. Whether it's a relationship whether it's financial substance, whether it's a new car, unless you know the purpose, because when you know the purpose, you're going to take care of it. So what is, what is my purpose for being in this world? Um, to learn to live. God has made all things beautiful in his own time, and he's placed eternity in the hearts of men so that we cannot know all that God has done. But right here and right now, living in the moment, whatever's going on, telling the truth. I remember when my oldest son was about two or three and he would do something and I would say, well, bring me the belt. He never got a spanking because when he brought me the belt, how could I? And I believe that in our experience, when we come to be honest and truthful with ourselves and when that can be discerned from us, Hopefully, people will see that and trust us. Now, I know from experiences, when you're a leader, like you are in leadership, and you come out as pure and honest, and I'm here as God shows up in me, everybody's not going to like that. Um, and some people will resist that. Uh, and, it, and I have come to learn in my own humanity and humility because I used to think, what did I do? Not anymore. It has to do with that person and their journey. So one of my life lessons is to always be myself. Even if somebody I've had an adverse conversation with, I do not plan how I'm going to speak to anybody. 
or address anybody when I see them again. I'm going to show up in the moment, hopefully in love. That does not mean I've made myself a doormat, but it means that there is value in who I know myself to be. Well, does that you know, your question? Yes, yes. Um, it, we definitely we could keep going uh, with that topic, but you know one of the things that I love about the Course in Miracles that book I've been studying it now for I guess eight years, and I will continue to. I, I can see no end to all that I can receive from that. Hey, Sonia, thanks for joining us. Um, but one of my favorite things that I've learned from the Course in Miracles, and I call it favorite because it really blew my mind. Um, is that God said that arrogance, or Jesus channeled the information, but arrogance is when we do not acknowledge the power of God that we have within us. That arrogance is the denial of our eternalness. Arrogance is a denial of our oneness with God. Arrogance is a denial of the power of our mind to make manifest that that is the ultimate form of arrogance that I am separate from God and I don't need you. I've got it all under control. So when we are in our suffering, we're actually being arrogant because we're not tapping into the source of joy. That is God's joy through us to be able to be manifest in under any circumstance. And of course that's hard to, to understand depending on where you are in your journey. Again, the elementary years of spirituality, you can't expect somebody to understand that. But as you move into the more mature years, into the uh, master's, you know, in college or the PhD of spirituality and, and on into that, that practice is we have to come to know that who we are cannot be affected by what other people think. But when it comes from a place of knowing, you know, that, that, but I'm not any different than they are, and I'm not any more special than they are, that there is this incredible, uh, like a paradox that no, I cannot be affected by you, but at the same time, we're no different. It allows for so much love and compassion and, and just really primarily compassion, which is what I think the world needs now more than anything. Give, give us some advice, because I know this program is heard by a lot of people who are um, spiritual teachers, spiritual coaches, energy healers, and so on and so forth. Um, from your experience in having the 55 years plus, you know, all the years before that, that you were on your own journey to align with God, Give us some advice on how to align with God, how to, what is your practice and give us tips and ideas on how to align and stay aligned. You know, um, for many years, um, not so much now, but for many years when I was out there working every day, I would get up early, uh, 15 minutes, half hour early, and I would spend time in prayer uh, and sometimes in being quiet and also listening to music. Music is a universal language mm -hmm. and it can carry us to a place within ourselves where we are in rhapsody and in a state of bliss. Who was it Dr. Gary Knoll talked about when we can really heal our bodies? When we come to a place of bliss, a place of neutrality, that's where Jesus was when he would heal the sick and he would perform miracles. We are no longer invested in the external outcome, but we, we come to a place of, 
of quietude and stillness and a place of knowing uh, without knowing. Does that make sense? Um, I would also, I did a lot of journaling and writing. I remember when my mother passed away, in two days I wrote my first book, Affirmations and Meditations, and it had to do with secret places within us. And it, uh, I continued to journal and to write. Um, also, another daily practice is to just go somewhere and sit down and be quiet. Really and truly, not to be on the phone as much as I used to. One thing I, I know about ministry for me now is that when people do call and they call for prayer, I will listen to what they pray for, but I pray from a place of knowing uh, and coming into alignment with them. Let's take the focus off of the external situation and let's place that focus on the fullness of God. Mm -hmm. Remembering who I am in controversial situations. Um really knowing and trusting that, okay, for many, many years I've had a practice, but when I become the practice, I spoke at a conference once and a lady called me Eulogy. She didn't know how to pronounce my name. And when I got up to speak, I thanked her for that because I knew that in the Greek, eulogy means praise. I hope that I am a praise. I hope that I am a praise knowing that Praise is not for God. I realize that too. Praise is for me. So when I lift my hands and I praise, I know that I am lifting myself through my mind, getting to my spirit to a place where I know I'm ascending to the high, the high power that lives in me and continuing to move in that direction. The other thing, very briefly, I do Always, I hope when I see somebody, there's always something to compliment. Uh, give a smile, say a kind word. Lina, I know that everybody is really doing the best they can with what they have. We see people sometimes and we never know what they're going through with a smile, a kind word, um, just being present and silent prayer. That's pretty much what I do. I live it kind of simple now. Well, if you if we are operating in kindness, we're operating in alignment with with what is love inside of us, extending uh, unconditionally. Um, so it is. So, you know, you're you're such a a wonderful um, source of information, of knowledge. Of how can people connect with you um, if they want to reach you? Besides Facebook, obviously, here they can become a friend with you. But this is also a podcast. How can people connect with you? Um, I do have a website um, and my practice, which I call crisis solutions. We are people don't like to use that word, but the world now sees itself in crisis. So maybe that will make people move. But as a spiritual psychotherapist, I see individuals. Uh, I also do it by phone before any of the words were coined like coaching and some <laughs> of the other, you know, that's yeah. what been doing for a long time so people can call or an email i'll give you my phone number where i can be reached or do you want to how about we just give your is that on your website Did we give the the website address the web no but we can give the website address and that was creative um creations int.org let me put it on there so creative creations with an s int.org 
yes. is your website. So yeah, so know that if you're going to pass out your phone number, is that a business phone number? It, so it's not your personal number? No, it's a business phone number. Okay, then it go is, right ahead. So 404-220-9607. 404-220-9607. And my practice is, well, spiritual psychotherapy. It's all, always yeah. private-centered. And I make that known always. Yeah, that is so beautiful. Well, it has just been a pleasure having you here. I am so honored. This Our, our time together went by so quickly. And in the midst of life going on, you made the time to be here present when I know that you, you know, you've got your daughter on your heart, on your mind, you've got the, um, you know, life is going on. So I want to thank everybody for joining us today. And I also want to invite you to come join me next week. I've got a dear friend and somebody who's so inspiring, Kathy Stringer. And she is going to be my guest. We're going to have a fun conversation. I know you will enjoy it. And as always, know that to find anything that I've got going on, go to linaorlando.com. And now to find Yuji, be, be her friend on Facebook or go to creativecreationsint.org. And you'll be able to find her there. Thank you so much, Yuji. This, this was beautiful. Love Thank being you. in your presence, sister. Thank you. Back at you. Love All you. Right. Love you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.